Hey everyone, Eric here with a big announcement. But before that, I want to take a moment to thank Lacey, Emily, and especially Tommy for joining me on and, in Tommy's case, writing and running such an awesome season. I hope you've all enjoyed listening to it as much as we did creating it, and there's still plenty more excitement to come in the finale. Now, on to our big news. For those of you who have listened to other seasons of the Nature of My Game podcast before, you probably know that two of our seasons have featured the Yellow King RPG, written by Robin D. Laws and published by Pelgrane Press. Well, a few months ago, Robin and Pelgrane put out a call for playtesters for the first full-length Yellow King RPG campaign that Robin is in the process of writing, called Casilda's Song. When I heard the news, I reached out, we got to talking, and I can finally announce that starting next season, produced under the ghastly aegis of Pelgrane Press, the Nature of My Game podcast will be exclusively playing Casilda's Song before it's released to the public. Our playthrough of Casilda's Song will pick up the story of Francis Anderson, Donald Braith, and Montgomery Hogg from seasons 1 and 5, and will also include other characters to round out the group, played by some familiar faces from other NOMG seasons, and some new ones as well. Robin has sent me a preview of the entire Casilda Song campaign, and I truly cannot wait for everyone to experience it alongside us. We'll be announcing more about the release date of the first Casilda Song season, the full cast, and other details over the next couple of weeks, so follow us at NOMG Podcast on Instagram and Twitter to make sure you hear the news first. I also want to take a second to give a huge thank you to Robin Laws, Kat Tobin, and Pelgrane Press for providing us with a chance to play Casilda Song well before it hits stores, and to my whole cast for jumping in headfirst to this new opportunity. So, for better or worse, get ready for more black stars, white skies, and yellow tatters that flap, and a little bit of madness to go along with it. But before that, sit back, relax, and enjoy the finale of She Blinded Me With Science. Previously, on The Nature of My Game podcast... If Dr. Kenwick has been in this basement, he's been malnourished, he's been dehydrated. He's been here for a a little while. Dr. Salter got fired a couple of weeks ago. How did the lab not notice? There are no wrong choices. No, there are no wrong choices. I don't think that's true. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what you're doing with that. That could save us. I don't really trust you when you say us. I don't know that you're including me in that picture. He broke it, and now we can't control them anymore. That seems bad. Give it to me! And slams into you and into the wall. Both of you slam down into the ground with an incredible amount of force. Just spam! I mean, Evie is fucking sobbing. Uh, she is scared. Yeah, like, this is not what her magic's for, but she does it. She is already, I mean, she's still second-guessing. Genetic sample obtained from Homo sapiens homovorus, otherwise called vampire, sourced locally. February uh, 19th, 2008. Homo sapiens homovorus genetic code has been mixed with current specimens. Come, greet me, father. Oh, no. And it's pointing in the direction of the Hillard Army Ammunition Plant. Chicago, Illinois, July 10th, 1980. Marco Evgenios sat on a cement sidewalk as the sun was starting to set over the Windy City. He couldn't see the sunset, of course. The towering buildings all around him were blocking his view. But he could tell by the way the bright white light of the day that reflected off the skyscraper's windows had changed to a deep orange. He preferred this time of day, 
There was something about it that felt particularly transitionary, like change was coming for the better. Marco hoped change was coming for him as well. He was tired, and he longed for a new life. Somewhere smaller, slower paced, somewhere he could relax. Somewhere like Ashland, Illinois, he thought. He looked down at the newspaper he was holding, open to the classified section, where he had circled an ad in red pen. High school history teacher wanted. Grant High in Ashland, Illinois. Fax resumes to the number below. Marco closed his eyes and imagined what Ashland would be like. Trees growing all around, families walking down the streets hand in hand, neighbors waving from their porches. It sounded idyllic. Moving to Ashland wouldn't solve all of his problems, but it would damn sure help. He needed a fresh start. And who knows, maybe he could finally find a place to settle down. Just as he was finally getting comfortable on the hard cement of the sidewalk, Marco spotted movement out of the corner of his eye. He knew instantly what he was seeing. A man in a gray trench coat was moving toward him, trying to look as though he wasn't looking at Marco. But Marco knew that he was looking at him, and he knew why. Marco jumped up in a flash, folding the newspaper and stuffing it into his jacket pocket as he ran. Marco didn't have time to look, but he was sure that the man tailing him had taken off running as well, and had probably pulled out a pair of knives from under the trench coat. The sect never did like modernity, and tried to keep as much the same as it had been for thousands of years as they could, including the use of their silly knives. Marco darted down an alleyway and jumped a fence between buildings, trying to put some distance between himself and the knife-wielding man. He sidestepped a set of trash cans and was just about to head out onto another main street when he spotted another man, dressed almost the same way as the first, standing at the exit of the alley. Marco reversed course, hopped over another fence, and found himself at a dead end. Marco almost started to panic. Almost. He had been fleeing from these men for more time than he could remember. Not these men specifically, but men and women like them who wouldn't, who couldn't understand that he just wanted to rest. He just wanted out. But they wouldn't give him time to explain, even if he tried. Marco looked up through the small gap in the buildings around him and saw the darkening sky above him. He had to try something. He didn't know if it would work, but it was his only chance. He closed his eyes for a moment and took one more breath as he imagined standing in a park in Ashland, Illinois, surrounded by trees and without a care in the world. Then he opened them again, focused on the gap in the buildings, and jumped. story takes place in a small town and i think there's something fun to the sort of like small town horror stories um but i i wanted to ask the three of you of being sort of a rural person small town person or city person what do you personally feel most like you are mm. and and why and and is that something you feel has changed over the course of your life think uh i definitely still consider myself rural i mean i grew up in southern ohio 
in I think a town of like 4,000 which I think is technically I don't know if this is like crosses everything but at least in Ohio that's technically a village but sounds like a village yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and I mean you know where I'm from has its own jeers that I can, I can see it so very <laughs> and it's called Bill's Bait House um, but yeah, I still consider myself rural, even though I, you know, I moved out and went to college in Cincinnati, you know, at 18, I moved back for a year after that, but then went right back for law school, was back shortly and then came, moved to Columbus, Ohio. Um, and I've been here since 2015, but as long as I've been here, it's still, I mean, not because I, there's anything wrong with the city at all. But I just still feel mostly rural, like the references and the things that are familiar to me and feel closest to me are all from the small town I grew up in, honestly. So as long as I've been out of that time, which, you know, is a while, um, mm. and I don't go back super often, I, st- I just still feel rural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm very torn by this question because <laughs> I... Because I, I, like, I would rather live in a city, right? Like, mm-hmm. I moved to Jersey City in 2015. I lived in, I lived in Manhattan for a couple of years. I'm back in Jersey City. I don't want to move. I don't want to leave Jersey City. I love Jersey City. I like living in a city. But what do I feel like I am? Yeah. Like, I feel like I am town. a small town person. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. and I grew up in South Bend, Indiana, which is, like, it's not that small. I mean, all things considered, it's like 100,000 people. So, like, it's... It's not it's not a small town, but like it, it it definitely feels more like this town that we're talking about than than something larger than that. So like at my core, I feel like I'm a small town person, but I don't have any desire to go back and live in a small town, if that makes sense. Sure. Totally. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, like I, I feel very similarly. Like I I moved to DC for a reason. Right. Like exactly. I, yeah. exactly. I I've stayed for a reason. Like I love it. I I love the access to so much stuff that I did not have growing up. Like the fact that bands stop here, not just <laughs> bands that I want to hear, but bands in general. Hootie and the Blowfish came in high school. And everybody went, even though no one had listened to Hootie and the Blowfish for years by that point. <laughs> but they were like, there's a concert, guys, mm-hmm. at the Civic Center. We're going to go. <laughs> I didn't go. Um, but no, it's. I can't believe you missed Hootie. I know. Yeah, I could have been one of the Blowfish by now if I'd gone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that band works. Um <laughs> <laughs> Darius Rucker is very famous. That he yeah, like, Darius he, he yeah, yeah. and is very famous. Yeah, he I is. You. <laughs> He's had a wonderful country career. Yes, he has. <laughs> yeah, I just um, and it's funny because yeah, my hometown. I believe when last I looked at the census was about seventy k. So you know, sizable, not small, but like it is funny that like I grew up in that kind of medium sized town, and yet my mom was very rural like she lived in a house like on the side of the mississippi in the country mm-hmm. um like there is a family farm mm-hmm. that i am <laughs> it's it's I, I i'm gonna have shares in the family farm y'all it's coming <laughs> um yeah. but like i know right and we had like they also but it went in this strange coincidence both my parents are from louisiana but they're from two different towns in louisiana my dad's from my hometown my mom's from her little country hometown called new roads 
and they both simultaneously had family that owned property in like this place in kind of north central Louisiana, um, outside Alexandria, that's called Fishville. Of and they course, both Fishville. went to Fishville as children, swam <laughs> in the same swimming hole, but never met each other until college. Wild. Um, the old Fishville swimming result, hole. <laughs> oh, exactly. Dean's Hole. Obviously, it's got a name. Yeah, of course it has a name. Um, but so we ended up also spending tons of time out there. My parents still go. They love it. And there's not a Jairs, but there is the Fishville Skating Rink, um, which has been closed, sadly, for like 10 plus years now. But it was legit like a skating rink. And on the side of the skating rink, I was never around when the skating rink was open, but there remained a bait store it's where you got your basic groceries mm-hmm. it was absolutely one of those stores um and so one of the joys of being a kid like growing up there was if we had brought our bikes with us we would bike down to the rink and like go get something weird and fun and like look at the crickets in the cage <laughs> amazing so like it's i never felt like i was part of that but it i really liked kind of getting to visit it and getting it to see it I, I have to tell a quick story because, Emily, your Please. parents going to the same um, mm. the same small little town but not meeting till college made me think of this. Um, and I'm sure some member of my family is going to listen to this and tell me that I'm misremembering this story. <laughs> but so my aunt and uncle g- both grew up in South Bend, um, are the are the exact same age, um, <laughs> didn't go to the same schools, but but are sure. the exact same age. My aunt's brother played baseball with my dad. My uncle's oh, brother, boy. right? So they played baseball together <laughs> in like before high school, during high school. I think my dad was coached by my aunt's dad, <laughs> right? Like lots of connections. They did not meet yep. in South Bend. They instead met on spring break in Florida at a wet t shirt contest. Amazing. Incredible. (gasps) I never could have predicted what that capper was going to be. Whatever version they think is real, this version's recorded now, so that's this. It's canon now. That's the canonical version. (laughs) Amazing. So you made me, in talking about like populations of where you grew up, you made me look up. The county that I grew up to look up the population because uh-huh. I was like I, I suddenly had this like it's like okay I grew up rurally but I don't actually have in my head what the population of Gloucester sure. County Virginia actually <laughs> is and I looked it up and there's less than three thousand people in Gloucester County in Virginia wow county in the whole Amazing. county as that at least is, as of uh, 2010 rural. that's true wow there's been at least some growth in the last thirteen years. So it's probably over 3,000 at this point, but Mm. it was rural. Uh, We lived in a a nice house, if I may say so, but out in the woods, and we had a horse pasture, and I grew up um, raising chickens, cleaning the chicken coops and gathering eggs every morning, uh, doing things like chopping wood, (laughs) uh, mowing the lawn, which took four hours to do mm. because we had a front lawn and a side lawn and a back lawn and the side lawn was like holy huge um we had a f- side field um that would le- would apparently we like would lease out to like a local farmer who would like mm. plant stuff yeah i mean it, i grew up very rural yeah <laughs> and i there's i think 
I've lived, you know, I moved to Boston for a while. I've lived in and around, kind of around Baltimore area um, for college. And then now, you know, I'm outside of D.C. and in Germantown. And <laughs> uh, I, I like the city. I've liked the conveniences of the city for many years. And I like, you know, being in the kind of suburbs, too. There are things I enjoy about that. But, like, I think my heart is still very much with the country mm. because I feel very, very at peace when I'm just out in, like, nature. Yeah. Just being out near the woods, like, is, I, I think is wonderful. So, yeah. I don't know that I'll ever, like, like, my dad was very much, like, he wanted to live in the country. That was the whole point. Mm. He, and funny enough, he grew up in the suburbs as a kid. Like, that's where <laughs> he was. But he wanted to live in the country. And... I don't know that I will ever end up back there as like my home is being out in the country. I'll probably yeah. be a suburban guy for the rest of my life, <laughs> but I, I do love the country deeply. That's where I think that's where my like heart belongs is out, out in the country. I feel oh like God, I'm your hearing, country boy. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm hearing Amy Grant's Tennessee Christmas playing in the background <laughs> 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 as you're, as you're talking about oh, where your heart no. belongs. It's the only Christmas mm-hmm. for you. It is. It is. In a lot of ways, this is very true. Like, our house would be done up for Christmas and everything. Like, it's very... Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. We would leave hay out for the reindeer, which Tiny Me did not register, was like, of course, being fed to the horses that we had at that point. But, like, yeah, that's one of those things you can do when you have horses, (laughs) is leave the hay for the reindeer. It's so interesting because so many of the things you described are not at all like my experience. Like I didn't, I didn't go wake up any chickens or collect any (laughs) eggs um, or clean any chicken coops. But mowing the lawn did take forever because we had Mm -hmm. like three quarters of an acre and Mm -hmm. it was hilly and you had to to mow the side and the front and the back and the back you could do with a riding (laughs) mower, but the front you couldn't do with a riding mower because it was too hilly. So you had to use the the push yeah yeah yep and we didn't own a field but there were lots of fields near where i grew up not in south bend proper but kind of outside of south bend um which is where i grew up so the the lines are the lines are blurry but i would say less than three thousand people for sure mm-hmm. qualifies as about as rural as it gets yeah You've just mm-hmm. awoken a sense memory of like when my dad got the riding mower for Fishville. <laughs> and like once we reached a certain age, we would like be able to ride it. We'd go up and down the road <laughs> having a blast on our lawnmower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. The riding mower was the first thing I ever learned how to drive at the age of like 12 or whenever, whatever it was. And my <laughs> yeah. dad taught me to do it and was like, this is one of your chores that you do do around the house now like you are the you are the lawn cutter and so i would have to get up on saturdays and reserve the entire morning and into the early <laughs> afternoon of my saturdays to cut the lawn oh incredible i do think if you if you if you have if in your childhood you drove a riding lawnmower you at <laughs> least you at least can claim country Right, mm-hmm. like maybe not rural, but you can at least <laughs> country. claim country. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, greatest I think so. thing, and I'm so sorry. I know we want to actually play the game at some point, but so my my mom grew up on a house on the side of the levee, um, in rural New Roads, Louisiana, in Boynton Parish, and um, her brother, her youngest brother, lived in that house where she grew up for a long time, and we had Catholic family, lots of cousins. He invented. The couch ride, where he had his four-wheeler, 
hooked up to a little flatbed oh trailer God. and he had an old couch on that trailer and the cousins would pile on the couch and uncle chris would like drive us over the levee and like just up and down along the side of the mississippi and like watch out for that tree there it's got thorns that if once they get in you like they're in there for good <laughs> <laughs> and like so many couch ride adventures it was the best <laughs> hell fucking yeah i don't even You've know if never lived country or rural I, I think that might just be straight up redneck yeah, yeah that is redneck once in a while you do the redneck things i was gonna say I'm yeah like the, if the riding mower is country that's country like that yep. that's like <laughs> with, a, with a heavy uh that's country yeah not that many years ago my brother and i built a potato cannon over like <laughs> As part of like Christmas, we broke it out and the whole family went out. We loaded the potato can with potatoes and launched them <laughs> Love it. out over the trees as part of our like over the Christmas break thing that we did. The That's one time I've gone shooting shit. in my life, we shot bottles in the Mississippi River. Yep. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't know what the transition is here. This is not going Waiting to be for another flawless Tommy Woody transition. Uh, we're not going to be shooting bottles. We're no. talking about shooting bugs. And there you go. <laughs> That's it. So you have now kind of unraveled what's been going on here, I think, pretty clearly. And now all that's left for our three investigators, for Evie, for Marion, and for Kurt, is to deal with the monster itself the final threat which is the queen and her swarm of beetles bugs insects gross so (laughs) let's start it off what would you like to do all right i feel like we know what we have to do we know thanks to kurt we have a direction and we think we have a location um so i think like we gotta like get some heat and by heat, I mean literal heat. I think we got to get some fire. I think it's it's late, so I think the only thing that's really going to be open is like a gas station. Kurt Kurt um, pulls out his wallet and says, "I I think I have just the place." And he pulls out a business card and he holds it up, and it's like one of those like like punch cards <laughs> to Jairs. He's like, "No, we, we got to go no. to Jairs." No, I I just like. <laughs> Marion kind of blanches, I think, and says, uh, Kurt, I don't, I don't know if you're going to be able to use that punch card. It's Big Bad Beetle Town. I don't, that's out. That's, that's, that's Nix that. We can't. <laughs> but I just, I just saw you. You, Jer was with you when you, when you got here. Yeah, J- Jer was with me. Um, <laughs> that's true. The, yeah. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He doesn't like, uh respond well to threats, but whomst among us uh, really does at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, that place is toast. Um, I don't know what his insurance policy is, but he's got a big old hole. Um, teeming with insect life. So, uh, is, there a, is there a gas and sip franchise here? <laughs> <laughs> the Ashland... Direct from Hillbend, the gas and sip. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ish- Ashland actually has a pump and munch. Oh, uh, <laughs> I just took a sip of my seltzer water. You can't do that to me. <laughs> I think it came out my nose. Oh. 
uh, something I've only actually ever heard referenced in, I think, a Mystery Science Theater episode. But I, I, ever since I heard that, I was like, we got to use Pump and Munch. So Ashland does have a Pump and Munch that you can That's go to. It's a porn store, Tommy. It's not a gas station. Okay. That's what they have in the background. The, yeah. the curtain, the trash bag they've got up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Plus. There's yeah, there's like a crude hand drawn oh, sign that God. says eighteen plus. Ugh. Am I right. am I remembering am I misremembering mm-hmm. something from my from my youth that you could if you used a lighter and like a bo- like a bottle of hairspray, can you make like a flamethrower <laughs> type thing? Is that is that real? Let me tell you about how you launch a potato out of the potato cannon. <laughs> I'm not lying when you sit when I say you use a lamplighter built into PVC piping and then you spray that shit, that tube full of hairspray, close it, the cheap kind so it's flammable, seal it up, and then flick the lamplighter to make it ignite. So Did yes, you just that's a dog millionaire, like the answer <laughs> yeah. to this question. I think so. Absolutely wow. get some aquanet. <laughs> Hell because yes. I feel like having some sort of like flamethrower for a swarm is like is is Absolutely. necessary. Like fireball, you know, like throwing flaming things will be fine for the queen potentially. But mm-hmm. like we need some sort of like open scattered flame um, yeah. for the swarms to at least keep them at bay. Yeah, I think every single possible form we can get, like, grab some 40s and some lighter fluid and, like, make some Molotov cocktails, I think. Like, it's just lighter fluid on its own. I think it's everything. (sighs) I think Marion kind of spares a thought for her beautiful, beautiful knives that, unfortunately, may not be the actual best tool for this job. (laughs) But such is the way. It's okay. Kurt is definitely envisioning a flaming baseball bat. (laughs) <laughs> Love it. Sure. Let's All right. get to that pump and munch. Yeah. So what 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 supplies are you trying to acquire here? What are you thinking about? What would you like to try to get? Um, we don't have to role play all of the acquisition of supplies, but I can give you a sense of what you are able to get based on what you tell me you, you're looking for. I think I think all these things, I think we want at least three cans of hairspray if they've got them. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah, I will say you can get... Let's say you can, if you want to buy like six cans of hairspray, they've oh, got them. You can, you can get that. And then there's like also hand a rack of light- lighters. So. Yeah, like not the not the not the ones you use with your thumb, but the ones you use with your mm, pointer finger, yeah. like the lo- the the grill lighting lighters. Yep, the barbecue yep, one. Yep. Yes, um, we'll say th- one of those for each of you. There, there's like three or four there at the store, so you can have awesome. that as well. Um, I got lighter fluid. Sure. Yep. Yep. That's fine. Love it. We only get a couple cans of gasoline. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Straight I think you can gas. get the gasoline jugs and just fill up at the pump or whatever you need to do. So I'm wondering, is yeah. there some sort of like projectile we want to be able to light on fire? I mean, we can do the the makeshift Molotov cocktails. True. Like toss the forties. I mean, why not? Like just get like a whole bunch of cheap forties. Yeah, and some rags. Yeah, it's got to be something raggy. Does that work? Mm-hmm. Are there rags? Yeah, Sweet. I think I think yes. Uh, well. At the very least, there things. are um, there are a bunch of like tourist T-shirts in this yeah. in this uh, gas that. station with like yeah. I heart Ashland yep. and like free, Freeman County forever Some and a few like, things like that. That you get at like truck stops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. all that good stuff. Yes, nice. you absolutely get some of those. And then what about like I don't know? Is there are there like I don't know, work gloves that might be like slightly flame resistant or something like Ooh, that. Ooh, 
Oh, work gloves are smart. You can get work gloves for sure. I don't know that they have flame resistant ones per se, but like one, they are thick gloves that can protect your hand from yeah. an open flame that would be on it briefly. Yeah. Like if you yeah. still sat there and tried to light your hand on fire, sure. you'd eventually <laughs> sure. get burned. It's but yeah. it, it will protect your hand from open flame briefly. Perfect. And not instantly melt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's good. Anything else? We know fireworks. Um, is there any other way to make fire? I mean, uh, gasoline and lighter fluids, pretty good. Seems good to me. Yeah, I agree. On short notice, this feels like about yeah. I think I agree. what we can do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Is there is there anything now? I know that there are specific moves in other playbooks about. Mm-hmm being able to do more first 80 stuff? Have we kind of reached the limit of what do you think we would be able to do? Yeah, because I, I was think... going to say very much as the shopping is going on, Evie is really just in the backseat. Like she is, you said cracked ribs, said something's yeah. broken. Mm-hmm. Things are, she's just a little yeah. along for the ride. I would say that I think given the time that it is taking for you to get things, hmm. I think if you would each like to apply one more First aid, oh. one more from basic first aid. Fabulous. Give me more of that. <laughs> I <buffer>. will be <laughs> I will be generous. You can each heal Too one more harm from kind. first aid. Also, now I'm terrified yeah, of what we're about to face. That's always it's <laughs> it's when the GM is nicest that you should be most worried. Yep. But no, that's great. Still unstable, but I have a bit of room now that I didn't have before. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I have no harm, so you jerk. I, but I, I, actually, I actually think relevant to that when we get closer, I think as Kurt is, we're kind of driving to the army ammunition plant. I think Kurt says, I just want to say that if, I don't know what we're going to see in there, but if if something needs to be done, I don't know what that looks like. If, if, there's, if there is someone controlling this and they need to be taken out or if, I don't know, something needs to be turned on or, or turned off or something like that. I'll do it. Let me, I'm, I can withstand quite a bit of pain. I'll, I can get in close. You two do whatever you can to fend whatever these things are off. My understanding, I mean, Christ, uh, my understanding about how vampires work is there's a whole bunch of different kinds out there. Just double check in. You're, you're cool with fire. That's not going to be an issue. Yes, fire's fine. Great. Also, apparently, you're not the kind that minds taking the Lord's name, as uh, some some of us uh, tend to do quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no issues there. Great. How do you feel about garlic? Love it. Put it in everything I eat. Damn. <laughs> no wonder. It's like people's necks. Stuff some full of garlic. Just rub it on there. Oh, my God. Terrifying. Evie is, uh, she's definitely got her head, like, you know, leaning against the, car- the window, and she's like, that's fucking fine, but I have not fucking put up with you this long for you to die if you think you're going to pull some heroic shit. I didn't say anything about heroism. I just think it's <laughs> practical. Oh, man. Marion's kind of dying because seeing them get along just makes whatever the hell is going to come after this harder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I, and I, I, think, I do think Kurt kind of looks back and says, I mean, and if, if the bugs don't kill me. She will. <laughs> and he kind of like nods at Marion and oh, then kind of smiles. <sighs> so, <yeah. laughs> he's keeping it. He's 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 staying cheery about it. Yeah, he's chill. <laughs> How nice right. for him. Is there anything else you want to do before you drive out to the Hillard Army ammunition plant? I mean, it doesn't seem like road safety, but like 
any of these. Like, I, I will happily cut up some rip up. Oh, I've got knives. I can cut. Um, cut up Yay. some of these I Heart Ashland shirts yep. and, like, mm-hmm. prep some of these bottles. All right. They'll only be open containers for, like, five seconds, officers. I'm, like, just emptying <laughs> them out the window. <laughs> We've, right. we've we've already dealt with the officers. They're they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh <Yeah>. God. <laughs> Forgot uh, about them. You drive out to the Hillard Army Ammunition Plant, and it is now past five in the morning. Uh, you, God. It, Jesus. it is the period of darkest just before the dawn. You will start to see the dim light of dawn uh, over the horizon soon, but we're not quite there yet. And you arrive. At this plant, uh, it's not particularly well lit. There are some sort of base lights that are kept on, so you can sort of see what what you're looking at here. But it is pretty dark. Um, in front of you is an abandoned brick exterior of this large factory. There's multiple broken windows uh, that uh, some that have been boarded, some that have been tarped over. There is. It's the kind of factory where, where there's a single large smokestack sitting on it. Obviously nothing coming out of it. This it hasn't been used since the 70s. There are cracks in that smokestack. You can see parts of it that have started to crumble. That is what you see right now. Is it like, do we get a sense of, once we get close, like any kind of sound, any movement? Why don't you read a bad situation for me? Okay. 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 <laughs> Who's saying this is a bad situation? No one. That's a little presumptuous Why don't you you read a good situation for me? (laughs) Why don't don't you read a nice drive in the country? (laughs) Uh, Four, four, plus one. It's a nine. Nine. Okay. Uh, You do get a hold one. So as you are just pulled up and you're looking at the exterior of this building... Um, you have a couple of questions that you can ask me. Uh, you can choose one and ask. Are there any dangers we haven't noticed? All right. Hmm. Are there any dangers that you haven't noticed? I will say that you, from the outside, um, there is nothing immediately obvious. However, everyone is aware of the Hillard Army Ammunition Plant. It was abandoned quickly once the army no longer needed its services. And the rumors that have gone around town, especially when you, you when you all were in school back in the 80s, the rumors are that it was not particularly well cleaned out or taken care of when it was abandoned. You don't know how much of this is true and how much of this is just kids telling stories, you know, at lunch and that sort of thing, but... People claim that they've found live grenades there. People mm-hmm. have found that there's boxes of old ammunition still sitting around. One guy claimed that his uncle lost his arm in one of the machines when it turned back on suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> there's all kinds of stories that circulated around. So, though there's nothing immediately obvious from the outside, you would be cognizant of the rumored dangers that are inside the building. I think Evil, you know, getting here now and think about it and say something about, you know, to the effect of, you know, I remember people used to fucking say there were like grenades and shit in here. Some idiot was talking about how his uncle lost an arm or something. I don't fucking know. But Hmm. point is, if that's true, and I don't know if it's true, maybe a well-placed Molotov cocktail, well, whatever we're Hmm. doing could really set this place up, which could be helpful because... Maybe I'll take some of them out, uh, but might catch 
us off guard, and boom. Boy. Didn't think about that, not gonna lie. Ammunitions plant, didn't think about a boom. Yeah. I think we have to... We don't know exactly what it is that we're gonna find when we go in there. I think we need to be... Yeah prepared with all of the things that we have and ready to react to whatever comes our way. And hey, a boom is probably going to take out some bugs. There's no doubt. Mm -hmm. Take out some other things, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do my little thing once again, checking for the spiritual energy of the bugs. I mean, really looking for the queen to see if there's like... uh, That's the goal of it, at least. Mm -hmm. To see if I can see where she is in there. Alright, you... Close your eyes and open them, and underground, there is just an absolute mass of crawling things. And down, further down, and again, part of this is going to be limited by distance that you can see Mm -hmm. with the sight, but Mm -hmm. you get a sense of some sort of larger mass that is also glowing with this unnatural energy. As soon as you use the sight and you see this crawling mass, Marion. Yeah. Peter. Pete. How's, how's Pete? I didn't want. I really didn't want to ask. I was like, maybe he'll forget. Maybe he'll forget. Storming violently. Oh fuck. Okay. Marion is gonna like raise a hand mm-hmm. and say, "Guys, I don't. Pete's uh, Pete's doing a fandango in there. I uh, I don't know." Is now the time? Is now the time we gotta, like, do something about him? I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Well, she's here. I mean, I, I know we I know we knew that. Yeah. I know we, but they're, they're all... You know, she comes back out of, obviously. They're all mm-hmm. here. They're under... They're under the plant. Yeah, I don't... He's just gonna... He's, he's gonna start biting. I know he is. Marianne, I don't know how much I can take. Marion, uh, when I... When I reached out to see if I could find where the queen was, I know I told you both that she's, she was calling to me. She said t- to come. Yeah. She also called me father. If you'd like, I can try to direct Paul your child out. out. But I don't know if it'll work. And the last time anyone tried to communicate, he freaked out a little bit. Yeah, he did. He's going to freak out even more when we start throwing fire around i think yeah um tommy question for you yes as our keeper here yes so i i hate to like think in terms of pure game mechanics but like mm-hmm. i know kurt has a plus one to weird mm-hmm. i um i also actually have a plus two to weird um but i know i would be operating at a bit of a disadvantage mm-hmm. but i know our resident spooky has two I believe. Mm-hmm. So it feels like odds on numbers are best if if Evie tries. Is that correct? I mean, yeah, from a pure gameplay perspective, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not... Narratively, that same applies. Right. I think I'm good. I would say whether or not I kind of allow a particular thing to do. Yep. <laughs> the yep, thing yep, that yep. you want it to do or, or kind of like let something occur um, is going to be more dependent on sort of a, more of a narrative choice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think Marion is surrounded by options. And I mean, there's 
There's a tiny little part of her deep down that's like, oh, fuck, man, that'd be kind of fucking cool if Kurt could just, like, mine whammy Pete out of there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, she, she and Evie have already set up, like, a whole thing where Evie's ready to help at I any will point. I will tell you this, too. I would, if you, if you want to let Kurt try to do yeah. something, I will let you try to provide a help out role for that. Yeah. Um, by kind of relaxing, focusing, going into sort of maybe like a meditative state that you would go into kind of maybe before you know you're going to fight things, that sort of thing for the sect. Yep. You would still need to roll for it, but... Yeah, of course. You do have that as an option as well. Oh, God. I think Marion wants to try to do it herself. Okay. Like, I think... Having her two people with her mm -hmm. feels like the most support she's ever going to get in this moment. As far as like, if it all starts to go horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. I think if she starts like bleeding from every orifice, then like, yeah. hopefully they can help. If Kurt's not like going into a vampiric frenzy in the corner. Oh, <laughs> if. Um, would either Kurt or Evie like to do something to help out? with whatever Marion is going to do. I got a negative one going against <laughs> that role. Yeah, I think Kurt is just going to walk over. I, it, Kurt is afraid to reach out and try to control the bugs mm -hmm. until yeah. he has to. Mm -hmm. um, so I think he's just going to take Marion's hand and hold it and just try okay. to comfort her. Okay. She's going to grip it like a vice. Okay. Make a help out roll, please, Kurt. Eight. Eight. Okay, got it. Okay. Marion, what are you doing to try to get this thing out of you? You do get a plus one from Kurt. Yep. Although it is a plus, it, it's consequences for him, but we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> Worst comes to worst, Pete goes it. for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep my mouth yeah. tightly shut. Yeah, apparently that's what you got to do. I didn't know in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, e Evie is standing by in this, watching this happen, Like, but she's like ready if some shit goes down. Like, that's what she's doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so Marion's gonna say, like, get the lighter fluid. Like, get a lighter. If it comes out, get it. Um, I was gonna magic it, but okay. And that too. That also works. I mean, Marion's not <laughs> thinking I know, about it, just, it. It was just funny. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, I've got yeah. off with that. And, uh... Love it. Um, yeah, so she, she reaches into her pocket. Like, she takes out this little box. It's wooden, and it's got an epsilon on it, which is something that was carved into the walls of the cave at Pythia. Uh, true fact, it actually was, and nobody knows what the fuck it means. Awesome. Marion knows. Marion knows what it means. Yes, of course. Um, and I shan't be sharing that information with you She's now. not gonna tell us, but she does. <laughs> nope, no. absolutely not. But yeah, so she holds, she like flips it open, and she holds it up right in front of her face, and she like breathes mm -hmm. as deep as she can. And then she just closes her eyes and is going to hope that she can use her magic to ban this thing from a certain place, which is her. Okay. Roll to use magic. <sighs> Riced on a cracker. That's a seven. Plus two is nine. Plus one is ten. Yes! Oh, wow. <gasps> you know, sometimes the dice tell exactly the story you would hope for. Um, okay. Oh, Good. So 
you are able to do this and it it's there is something to the fact that it isn't Kurt trying to use some psychic power. It isn't mm. your best friend trying to summon a spirit or send out an energy that would pull this thing out of you. It is their friendship mm. and the fact that you have overcome something together even with the revelations and the difficulty that you've been through, this night has, for better or worse, brought you closer together. And this comfort allows you to focus on the magic that you were trying to do and summon something from that the sect taught you to do that you have done so, so rarely before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when you've practiced before, oftentimes it has gone horribly wrong. But this time, mind empties... You breathe in and out, and you feel this awful scrabbling in you, frankly, as your mouth opens up and this thing crawls out of you and oh. exits from <laughs> your mouth. Worst. You see the feel of the little legs come out oh. of each side of the mouth and pull out, um, but it leaves your body and un perhaps unsurprisingly crawls immediately down your arm and up the arm of the person that is holding your hand <gasps> to Kurt and attempts to bite him. Kurt, I will allow you to react to this. Okay. Kurt, he wants to try something. Ooh. He wants to, and this may be way too much, but, but let me know what you think. He wants to, at the same time, kind of let his mind reach out in the same way that he did mm. before to mm -hmm. the queen. And as he's doing that, wants to just reach over with his hand and try to grab the bug and squeeze it to death. <gasps> okay. Okay. So in this context, is this something where you, this is just sort of a flavorful version of a kick some ass roll that you're yeah, trying to I think do? So. Okay. Yeah. Then roll kick some ass, please. And be because what I'd like to do is, is kind of, both literally and and figuratively send a message to the queen. Hell yeah. Ghosts yeah. are fucking in town. <laughs> Come to fuck your shit up. I rolled a five. I would like to use my second luck oh, to accomplish whoa, this. Boy. Okay. You use your second point of luck. So I would like to reach down and crush this bug with my bare hand, and as I'm kind of reaching my mind out, I don't even want to hear a response. I'm just sending the message. Mm-hmm. I'm here. Come find me. Okay. This uh, beetle, there's just a half second of resistance from the carapace, from the shell, almost as if the beetle itself is just, just fighting for its life, trying to not be crushed by you, and then your strength overcomes it, and you turn it into mush in your hand. You just mm -hmm. fully crush it. Okay. You have dealt with the bug that was inside of Marion. And All you right, now find Pete, yourself... Pete! I'm a little sad at Peter's death. <laughs> <laughs> that was You're as close as we got to an animal companion. It's true. <laughs> I just can't believe Tommy took our beautiful moment of friendship and trust and like character yeah. growth and turned it into legs wiggling out of my mouth. <laughs> You know, friendship takes a lot of forms. <laughs> and so Kurt drops the carcass to the ground and looks back at the two of you and says, Marion, Evie, 
let's go. And he starts walking toward the front door. Okay. All right. Let's do it. You walk forward, stride forward, and you get to the front door, and you turn the handle on it, and it, it opens without issue. And not only does it open without issue, there are no alarms here. This is... This place has been abandoned for a long time, and it doesn't even seem to be particularly looked after. Whoever owns the land keeps a couple, like I said, out exterior lights on, just for the purposes of making sure people can see and know where they are, seemingly. But it's almost like the reputation of this place is all the protection that it generally needs. Most people don't want to go here. <laughs> uh, one of the only kids who went here got into a lot of trouble for doing it, as we recall. <laughs> Joey. So, poor Joey. Oh, Joey. You open the door and step inside. Now, it is very, very dark in here, so you would need to use your flashlights to kind of look around and see where things are. Or light one of the many flammable things you have. (laughs) So, could I do one thing? Can Mm -hmm. I potentially use magic to do one thing that is beyond human limitations and create some kind of... Oh! 100% you I love that. (laughs) Please roll... Or use magic and see what we get. Uh, that's so cool. It fails and it just gets darker somehow. <laughs> <laughs> the sun just isn't going to come up. Well, <laughs> so here's the thing. I got a four plus one and that's five plus two is seven. Okay. That's something. Okay. There is a glitch. Yeah. Yep. Let's go with the effect is weakened, maybe. Okay. You focus for a bit, and um, the energy sort of gathers, that black inky, inky energy gathers, and from out of your ring comes this little black-looking flame, but it emits light. But Brad. it's a very, very kind of shallow light. It is not particularly bright. It's fairly dim. It does give you a little bit of light that you can kind of wave around and see, and you can hold your hand up to things to kind of see what's around, but it is not a particularly bright light that you could use to illuminate a room or give you a much clearer view of where things are. It's kind of like holding, it's sort of like holding a candle, effectively. So no matter what, we can see you, which I think is important. Yeah. Because we each have flashlights. Yeah, True. so I think yeah, we pull yeah. out our flashlights and just start yeah. kind of... Okay. I mean, I, Kurt... Sorry, I shouldn't speak for others. Kurt is... He wants to see, is there a hole somewhere? Like, he he wants to try to draw these things out okay. into this building. Okay. You flash your light around, and what you see here is um, a concrete floor that is covered in debris. You are here on what appears to be a large main work floor. Um, from here, you can see that there are several rooms. There are, like, doorways to rooms off of this main work floor. The main work floor is quite large, and there is old rusted machinery here on the work floor. There are also piles of some boxes, crates, and things that are scattered around. And, as I said, a, a lot of debris Um, Some of it, you know, leaves and that sort of thing. Natural stuff. Stuff from outside. This place has been sitting here since the 70s. But also a good bit of splintered wood and that sort of thing. Brick pieces, powder, uh, dust and dirt. As you are flashing it around, the other thing that you notice is you can almost feel under your feet a light and constant vibration from under the ground. Is there anything as we're looking around that 
looks like, you know, potentially still packed away ammunition or anything Mm. like that. As you go around and I say maybe you kind of use your flashlight or kind of wave your hand up to certain things, and there are several old crates and boxes that have um, ammo stamped on the side of them, indicating that they either have or had at one time ammunition. Um, Some of them may also just be empty shipping crates that never were filled, you know, when they were being prepared. Um, But you get the sense that at least some of these probably do have rounds of some kind in them. As you look, you will also see that some of the doorways um, off to either side of this large workspace are open or have doors that are kind of hanging off the hinge. There is one door that is closed and padlocked, though, currently. Kind of back off to the right-hand side. Hmm. Do you think it's locked to keep something in? I suppose one of the people from the lab could have tried to do something, or maybe the... Maybe the bugs have some sort of control over someone who can help them. Oh, God. Ugh. Yeah. But yeah, I think we should go to the door that has that and try to get it open. I mean, yeah, Kurt will try to smash it with his baseball bat, if, if nothing else. Okay. Let's do do a kick some ass roll for me to kind of, if you're trying to bludgeon this thing, break it open yeah. and do that. Nine. Nine. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say what you do here is you start slamming your bat into it. And I please remind me, this is a metal bat, right? Or is it wooden? Is it like um, a Louisville Slugger? Yeah, I think. I mean, it's so it, he's a high school baseball coach, so I think it's I think it's metal. Okay. So you start slamming this into it, and you actually do kind of dent in and start breaking the lock. It also starts putting such large dents and bends in the bat. Yeah. The bat itself Aww. is sort of becoming unusable as you hammer it more and more. Um, it seems to you at the moment like this is just the best use for this. Is like, let's get into yeah, this exactly. room. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I will say the consequence here is the bat is no longer usable as a weapon. Okay, yep. Um, but you do break the lock off. Uh, when you were doing this, the three of you do notice um, that the door to this room has very, very faded print on it. And it just says um, additional storage and underneath it to be shipped. Oh, let's take a look. Yeah. Okay. You swing the door open. It is, it becomes, a couple of things are immediately obvious in this room. The first thing that is immediately obvious to you is that this is the entrance to the main nest. Yeah. A whole... The room itself is quite large. A whole over 10 feet in diameter makes up pretty... Almost the entire floor of this room is just a massive, massive hole that goes down into the ground. The other thing that becomes immediately obvious to you is why this was kept locked and it is because this is where there was live ammunition and grenades that were stored in boxes here that were go- intended to be they were fill either filled orders or things that were filled and waiting to be shipped at a later date many of them have tumbled into this hole the others that remain are up against the corners are in boxes up against the corners of uh, of the room where the hole has not quite reached yet but you see, um, as you look down, the hole is another. This it's similar to what you saw under the Greenmans. It curves and slopes down. So at the bottom of this curve, as you go in, you can see these broken open boxes and crates 
and you can see, um, you know, kind of packing material. And as you, if you shine your light down there, that army kind of dull army green of grenades, other pieces of ammunition. Is it enough that it that if we that if if something got detonated, the whole building would blow up? You can't really tell. <laughs> okay, I don't know if you would know for sure. Yeah. It would definitely ruin a lot of the building if it sure. all went off at once. I don't know if it would like, you know, little mushroom cloud style just destroy the building <laughs> and good to go, but I I mean it would cause some severe damage, I think. My my fear is that like cuz my first inclination, right, as Emily is take those gas cans and just pour them down the hole mm-hmm. and light them up. But I think that doesn't guarantee we take out the queen. Yeah, I agree. Um we need her to get out. We need her to come and I do we taunt her? How do we get her up here? I mean, listen, if it weren't for Kurt's clear connection with her, Evie'd be happy to call her a bitch, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's a given. Um, Tommy, mm-hmm. we, I don't think we discussed this, um, mm-hmm. because we didn't we didn't fully flesh out the, the entirety of the vampire lore of this mm-hmm. world. <laughs> do you think I'm undead? Ooh. I... <sighs> I think you could qualify as undead. I sort of like it's a you're in a state that is halfway between life and death, basically. And you are not the same type of quote unquote undead as a zombie or something Mm -hmm. like that. I don't think it's a different kind of thing. Uh, If you don't mind me uh, responding to your question with another question, why are you asking? (laughs) Uh, More specifically, do you think I bleed? Ah, good question. I actually do think you bleed. I think you bleed slowly, and it is sort of a dark... It's almost like you're bleeding, like, blood that is nearly dry or nearly coagulated, but not quite there yet. I like that. That's awful. (laughs) Um, So I think Kurt says, Marion, can I have one of your knives? There is a part of Marion deep inside that, like, giving you the weapon is the opposite of what she is been trained for 20 years to do but yeah she fights that off pretty quickly in this moment and uh is gonna hand you whatever you want okay um kurt takes the knife and slices across his left hand and tries to basically attract Hmm. the bugs if not the queen using not only blood but specifically the blood that they were created from which I know that they're, well, I, maybe I don't, but Marion experienced their attraction to that, so. I think in order to do this, you would have to cut deep enough into <gasps> a part of you to take two harm, which for you is the equivalent of one. You would have to yeah. be able to harm yourself enough that you bleed enough with this sort of slow, coagulated blood to do that. Yep. I think that is absolutely what he does, and he just kind okay. of, like, drips it into the hole. Okay. You feel the vibration under your feet increasing. There is sort of a, a greater rumbling occurring. And yes, uh, Evie, do you have something you wanted to No, do? I think I'm just okay. doing something with my hand. Okay, okay. Just wanted to check. <laughs> just wanted to check if there was like a... Teacher, I have something. teacher. Um, all right. Me. You start to hear the scuttling of the insects. These bugs are coming up and... It seems like this may have been something to indeed bring them out of the hole. Um, And so they start scuttling and moving up and you see them, you start seeing the black carapaces down at the end end of the hole, as far as you can see in it. They are moving up and towards you. Kurt hands the knife back to 
Marianne and says, I think we should go back to the other room. I think they're coming. Yeah. Evie's already out of that room. We wait until the mom shows up. We don't mess with these kids. What are they? All right. You move back into the other room and very shortly there is, you start seeing a steady stream of these beetles coming out of the hole through the doorway and into the work floor of this factory. What do you do? I think Evie still has the, she had one of the hairsprays and those lighters from when she was waiting to see what happened with Mary. I think she, I mean, not even almost thinking about it, just kind of kept hold of it. And I mean, you know, maybe let's, let's try to see what she can do with it. Okay. Aim, aiming at some of the bugs that are like whatever closest. Okay. I would say let's, are you trying to, let me ask this. Are you trying to burn them and hurt them? Are you just trying to sort of keep them at bay? What's the goal here? Like, what's the what's the intention? I think... Um, I think at this point she's kind of, like, mostly trying to keep them away from her, honestly. If it's a great role and some of them maybe get a little singed, that's great. <laughs> but I do think probably she's just right. like... Okay. I guess I'll still make it a kick some ass roll because that you can kind of try to push them where you want them as a consequence of kicking ass particularly well. So we'll just do it as that. Okay. Oh boy. Uh, nah, it could be worse. Okay. Um, one, two, six, but I have a plus one, so it's seven. Nice. Seven. Okay. You start spraying uh, this... Uh, this hairspray and you do actually catch some of them on fire and you notice that they as soon as that happens a whole like horde of them just sort of back up and are just kind of at the edge of where this flame is keeping back and it actually they start to kind of circle around the three of you as this occurs they're like swarming around um you also in doing this rather than taking harm from them you burn yourself with this it's like it's it's a crude makeshift thing you do take a harm from the fire as you are spraying this and it's kind of getting out of control and there are bits of flame that are hitting you Um, and at one point you have to drop this can of hairspray and quickly grab another one because the flame comes up to the nozzle and you're afraid it's going to blow up in your hand so you like toss it away and grab another one quickly I think Kurt sees this and says Marion hold off don't don't add to it until Evie runs out. We need to keep this circle in place. Okay. All right. The bugs continue to kind of swarm out and circle around now. And it seems like now with the two of you sitting there, are you, either of you doing anything in addition to what Evie is doing with the, with the flame, with the hairspray? I mean, the only thing I can think of is, is I'm wondering if there's, I think Marion's going to get hers ready. Okay. To, to just like what Kurt said, and she's gonna say, Evie, do you think there's any way to like, I don't know, Kurt, Evie, can we can we call her specifically, or can we like protect around us for a bit? Like, can you guys whammy these things? Yeah, I mean, Kurt can absolutely try to call out while the other two are kind of holding off the holding off the swarm. Yeah. Okay. So how are you? You're just kind of doing that mental like going going into that place trying to call out to her or are you like physically yelling what are you doing to do that yeah um i think yeah i think he's going to try to mentally call out again um and i think he's going to kind of like hold up the hold up the bloody hand um as he like tries to reach out to her almost like trying to kind of you you had called it kind of astral projection before it's like kind of astrally project this image of him like showing the bait to the queen okay there is a 
loud sound from under everyone's feet and from down towards that hole. And I think in the heads of Kurt and Evie, you hear you hear the voice that you have heard before. Now I come. And there's this rumble, and what you see through the doorway emerge from the hole is this sickly white, oh. pale kind of creature. And it's about as large as a human, probably five and a half feet or so. Oh. It is being carried by a swarm of these black beetles. Jesus. And the front and looks like a slime-covered human woman. It has the features of like a human woman, but with scythe, almost like praying mantis scythe arms on the front. And in the place of where eyes would be are these cloudy segmented eyes. And the mouth is not quite a human mouth. It's somewhere between a human mouth and it's got like strands of like flesh and a little bit of like carapace pieces around it. And the entire back end is like a giant maggot. Oh, why did you go maggot? Why? Horrible. What's wrong with you? As it comes forward on these beetles that are carrying it, you can actually watch as occasionally from the back end of the maggot of beetle crawls out. Oh. Yep. The sound effects. (laughs) I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Oh, Evie is trying not to throw up. You actually watch the circle of beetles that have formed around you. The part, the end end of the circle that is close to towards the door gives way. It parts as this thing starts to come forward towards you. Okay. What would you like to do? Oh, God. I mean, I see a body now that's my size. I want to stab it. Oh, I want to stab <laughs> it so bad. Like, I'll, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to drop the hairspray. Hairspray. And I'm going to get my, my bigger knives out. Okay. As she's doing that, I think Kurt wants to at least throw off one makeshift Molotov cocktail before Marion charges at this thing. Um, okay. So kind of dips the dips the the t-shirt into it and lights it and throws it just to see what happens. Okay. All right. So uh, and then let me before I do any rolls, Evie, what do you want to do here? I think she is going to try seeing that. I mean, maybe that Marion is making a move toward attacking and Kurt through the Molotov cocktail. Um, can she? And I will note if you if you can also if you want the answer to just be you continue to keep the other beetles at bay, you can. Um, all of you get the sense that the beetles will try to swarm you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I. She is not. She does not know honorable one-on-one combat. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she's lonely. Uh, can I? Maybe I guess try to use magic to create some kind of barrier around our circle. Sure. 
I yeah. love that. I think we can creatively interpret the like bar a place to a creature or a thing to be like you okay. are creating a magic circle around you to prevent the the horde of beetles from getting into you right now. Protection from beetles. Protection from beetles, exactly. Protection Circle beetles, of protection though. beetles. That's for the Magic the <laughs> Gathering fans out there. Come on. Please don't go wrong. Well, it's been nice knowing you guys. Oh, no. Um, sh- no, uh, yeah, this is bad. One plus two plus two equals five. Oh, no. Five, okay. Now. Now. Be- oh, no. <laughs> okay. I think what happens is you shoot out this energy you focus and this energy goes out in this circle around you and two things happen one it goes around and it ends up going out around and back behind the queen and around and now she is in like an arena ring with all of you (laughs) oh no and the energy domes up and you watch as the beetles start climbing the dome. Oh, that and like sucks. You don't know if the dome completes and they'll just be in a big <gasps> dome around you or if they'll start pouring in in a moment. I was going to oh say my if God. it drops. Oh, I hate this. This is the worst thing I've ever done in my whole life. <laughs> wow, that's bad. Yeah, that went real bad. All right, Kurt, throw, make a kick some ass roll for me. All right, I will. Let's kick it off. Here we go. You're now in your big bug arena. Oh my god. Uh oh. I got a five. God, people, what are we doing? (laughs) The Molotov cocktail blows up in your hand. You light it, and you were going to throw it, and it just fucking explodes. You've done a lot of things in your life, Kurt, in your very, very long life, and one of the few things you never really had reason to do is light up Molotovs and start flinging them around. (laughs) And you just weren't experienced with it enough. You soaked it too much. And it went down too quickly. And before you let go of it, it blew up uh, in your face. And you take three harm from fire being just direct blast into your face. Okay. Your clothes are also like, like some of your clothes are on fire now. Not great. Marion... You are running in towards the queen. Roll a kick some ass roll. Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do that. Because it's all going great. I believe in you. You get plus one harm to this because you're using your ancient fighting arts. Well, fun fact, because I just rolled a 10 plus one plus one. So I think think our mathematicians would say that's 12. That is 12 (laughs) indeed. I do love math. Indeed. It's 12, you get plus one harm to your roll, and the weapons that you have already do, uh, let's see, what do they, they do? How much? Sorry, I have to check the actual thing. Uh, fighting sticks are one hand, they are typically one harm for each. That said, that's per blade, and I'm imagining you're going in wielding both. So I will say it is two harm with an additional harm on top of that, which is three, and... With the roll of a 12 now, I, per um, Hertz reading of this earlier, on a 12 plus, uh, you can double the harm. Is that true? Yeah, so you can double yeah. the harm. You can completely hold the advantage. All hunters involved get plus one forward. You can suffer no harm at all, or your attack drives the enemy away in a rout, which I'm not sure fits this. this. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think you can drive them away in a rout, but the other options are available to you. We're in a bug dome yeah i think i think if i can double my double the harm i that's what i gotta go for okay 
I can. I will say that you can do that. Uh, you run forward and with your blade start slashing and cutting at this queen. And your blade first sinks in up where kind of above the breast, up in the middle of the torso. Um, and then another blade comes in behind and gets into the maggoty part in the back. And you kind of start tearing and slashing at it. And if it wasn't so disgusting and you're in such dire straits, it would look cool as shit as you <laughs> cut and tear into it. Um, when you start doing this, the queen lets out a scream, a burbling scream that is halfway between human and animal. This sort of like... Um, and as the scream happens, she also vomits out this oh, no. discolored, unpleasant liquid onto you, which is to harm from acidic <gasps> But my armor... You do have armor. Oh, oh boy. Um, what does that put you at? I mean, I'm still at three. I'm technically still okay. unstable. So mm. I feel like these I'm actually, are gonna I'm going to say, up. because you're unstable, you do take Abs another harm from yep. this. Oh. I'm too honest. Why this is these just, things? yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, this is, uh, it's a lot to do when you're already very hurt. And when you land on that leg that got chewed up before, that's when you feel it. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> um, and maybe some of that acid got into that open cut. Oh, um, <laughs> literal salt in the wound. Okay, let's <laughs> let's calm down a little bit here, Tommy. But you did uh, an incredible, incredible amount of damage to this thing. It it's screaming and hurting, and it is flailing its kind of its scything arms around. Mm-hmm. All right, beetles start to pour in from like a little circular area above you. It isn't a full kind of rim thing, but it's also not a single drop of beetle. There are some beetles that are just now kind of dropping into the space where you are. What do you do now? I'm still focused on on slicing and dicing. Okay. I think Kurt kind of looks down at the flames that are starting to lick up on his clothing and just sees Marion so close to this thing, sees Evie trying to trying to use magic and just, you know, only having so much control and kind of expending all of her energy on this. And he starts to run toward the toward the queen. And he, I want to try to sink my teeth into the woman's neck for whatever it's worth. And okay. kind of leap on her okay. since I'm on fire myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Make it Marion's not roll. being super smart right now. Like, she should go for flame. Oh. But... Let's do it. Eight. Eight. Okay. You uh, run at this thing, jump, and jump into the just the front of it, grabbing onto it, latching onto it, and the fire kind of catches onto the front of it and starts burning it as you sink your teeth into where the kind of neck just below the head of this disformed kind of half- woman half maggot thing would be um, and you start like tearing at it with your teeth and it thrashes um, and its claws catch on you and start like tearing at your back um, you will take uh, two harm from the clawing of the these scythe arms 
Um, you will also take an additional harm, unpreventable harm, I'm going to say, from continuing to burn. Okay. That moves me to unstable for the record. All right. Um, this thing, however, now is on fire, screaming, shrieking. Uh, it actually seems like it might be kind of like it's starting to thrash and jerk in a way that suggests it, it, it might actually be dying right now. Love to help that along. Evie, what are you doing? I mean, Evie wants to fall back on the magic, but also that didn't really work last time. Uh, the only thing that has seemed to work was the hairspray and the lighter. Uh, I think she... Mm, I still want to use... Uh... <laughs> you do what's in your heart. <laughs> That's right. Your the little magical heart. The best moves are always the thing that you really want to do. But I think what is in her heart maybe right now is she killed someone earlier and maybe maybe she maybe now she just needs to do the protecting thing which maybe some of these bugs i mean the bugs look they're bugs but there's a f- kind of a face on that thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, it's not like she's opposed to them handling it but uh given again that the, the most success has been the hairspray torch mm-hmm. thing uh marion said she dropped hers if i could pick it up and try to get back at it all right are you torching the bugs that are to, coming in like, now just, yeah like space yes the okay. best i can yeah okay make a kick some ass roll please six plus four plus Woo! one eleven hell yeah very nice okay you get to pick an additional bonus to that um with a kick some ass roll of an eleven uh, your options are, do, 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 sorry, let me like take a quick look. Here we go. Uh, you gain advantage, which is take plus one forward or give it to another hunter. You inflict terrible harm, you suffer less harm, or you force them where you want them. I'm going to force them where I want them, which is back the fuck up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah, ends yeah. up happening here is you spray this fire and you are going to take another one point here, unfortunately, from, of fire because... Not opting to not suffer harm from this, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You set these bugs on fire, it pushes them back, and your magical, this sort of magical ring that you have set up, that these things are starting to crawl over, it ignites too. Flames start to Hell crawl yeah. up, and there is now like oh. a fiery, almost full dome around all of you, and the bugs are <laughs> burning all around you, and like, the fire is starting to spread out. Oh, very cool. Very much still in place with live ammunition around you. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't cool, sure, but I mean, we are, oh. Okay, I'm going to say at this point, the queen collapses on top of the pile of beetles that were carrying her, and they also start to ignite. You are all in a building where much of the floor is on fire, and ammunition is around you. The queen does appear to be dead, though. Okay. Marion, run. Get Evie and run. Evie's already. Don't gotta, don't gotta get Evie. Evie's gotten. She's going. I think if you go and you run, I would like one of you to make a act under, pre- act under pressure roll, and I'd like one of you to make a help out roll, and I will let you decide who is doing which. I mean, I got negative one no matter what it is. Yeah. Um... I mean, I don't. I have a better role, but yeah, if we're both doing the same skill, it's going to work yeah, out the same way either way. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I think Marion's the pro. She's going to be acting under pressure. 
Okay. Yep, makes sense. I mean, I'm the one who put up the barrier as far as, like, helping out conceivably. I tell you what, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna compromise here. I'm, instead of a help out, Evie, if you would like to, if you think you can use your magic to assist with getting the two of you out of here, and you want to roll with plus weird instead, you can do that. If you're okay with that, I mean, I'm happy to do it, but if you prefer the help out, nope. then I'm okay with it. Nope. I'm giving you the option because I, I genuinely think that you can have that option. Okay. Then, yeah, because she will try to create a hole in the, like, okay. the yeah. barrier by Love the door. That. Okay. Four plus two is six plus two is eight. Okay. Every time, every time. Um, I think the glitch here, I'm just going to kind of narr- like narrative- sure. narratively present this, is it only lasts for a second, but it clears a path. It's almost like a gust of wind that pushes the flame aside straight towards the door that you came in for just a half second, and the two of you are booking it out of there. Marion, make your roll. Um, I will say before we run, I'm going to like lock eyes with Kurt and say, don't you fucking die here. Walk out of this building, and then we're gonna go. Well, that's my chance to roll double ones. Oh no. But... You have luck left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So I will use my luck. Now's the time. Yup, it's definitely go time. <laughs> a little toward the end, it's like, no, I'm gonna hold on to it. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so like, what, 10 plus, I get to do what we do. So we're mm-hmm. gonna get the fuck out of Dodge. All right, you both successfully Book it straight through this path of flaming beetles and debris to the door and out. And you get out to the car. Kurt, you are standing amidst a flaming uh, building almost at this point. I mean, the whole floor is igniting and you start hearing the pops and bangs of crates of ammunition. And you know it's a matter of time before it gets to that storage room and all of those grenades go off. What would you like to do? And the opening that they went through is closed, correct? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. And so the only opening that's available is the one up. Oh, God. Wait, okay, hold on. Which opening are we talking about? The opening well, so that... that was, so so, so I, I, if I'm picturing this correctly, the mm-hmm. dome was closing, but it didn't fully seal because there were beetles that were dropping yes. through. Yes, yes. And so that opening is still open. Yes, yes, that is correct. Okay. So Kurt wants to try to do the thing that he was considering doing to escape from um, to escape from um, Marion before he's only successfully pulled this off one time but he wants to try again mm-hmm. which is to turn into a bat and fly through the hole okay okay <laughs> so this it sounds like you're using magic to do one thing beyond human normal human yeah. capability is that yep. the case yeah make the roll yes yes Seven. Seven. Okay. The two of you, Marion and Evie, sit outside in the car. And I don't know, as you watch the flames rise, if you back the car out or, you know, back the car away from the building or exactly how long you wait there to see if Kurt comes rushing out. There is a loud explosion. Part of the building starts to collapse and you see streak through the air slam into the windshield of the car the body of a currently smoldering bat (laughs) slams into the windshield and a moment later it is the body of one Kurt Stevens 
laying across the windshield of the car as the building behind you goes up in flames. And I think that ends the narrative now. <laughs> we can. D- I, I would like us to do just a quick wrap up, which is to ask each of you. So just be thinking about this. Each of you, what you think kind of happens with your character immediately thereafter. I'm going to start, Kurt, with you, unless you feel you really you need more time to think about it. No, no, I just I have a question for Marion, which is, are you going to immediately try to kill me at that moment? No, absolutely not. Okay, then I then then Kurt's scene is a few days later and he arrives at wherever Marion is staying. My parents house. (laughs) (laughs) Unannounced. He looks he looks worse for wear. Certainly looks like he's, you know, still recovering from the the ordeal from a couple of days ago and rings the doorbell, I think. Yeah, Marion's parents are at the grocery store currently, so it's just her. And I'll I'll go open the door and when I see it's you, I'm gonna just pause a second and say, so do I have to officially invite you in? That's never been necessary. God damn, but you can turn into a bat, huh? I just I don't know what your rules are. <laughs> Sometimes I don't either. Yeah, come in. So Kurt goes in, he sits down, kind of gestures, inviting Marion to sit down as well. She's not going to sit down. She's going to, okay. she's going to stand, but like, she's not going for any weapons. She's, she's just going to like stand and kind of like lean on an armchair, but like on the back of it and, and kind of stand up. I want to give you a chance to ask me anything that you want to know before I, before I leave. I think I owe that to you. I mean, God, I want to pick your brain about so many things. Jeezy crazy. But I think I only really have one relevant question, which is, so if, as you say, this whole time in Ashland, you weren't hurting people, events of the last couple of days notwithstanding, is that your intention going forward? I'll admit that I have been fortunate here in Ashland. I was able to find a source for the nourishment that I need that didn't require me to hunt, didn't require me to feed on living people. Now, as we know, that came back to bite me. No pun intended. But, Marion, I've lived a long, long, long time. I've lived hundreds of different lives. I've experienced more than anyone could possibly imagine experiencing. And I'm tired. I'm emotionally tired. I don't get so physically tired, but but emotionally and mentally, I'm, I've about reached my limit. I don't have the energy anymore to do the things that I used to do. I don't have the energy anymore to, to explore. I just... I want a place to rest. And for the past 30 years or so, Ashland has been that place of rest for me. And if I can find somewhere else and find a way to not have to do what it is that I have to do to survive, then my answer is yes. But I can't guarantee that's how things will work. But I do... The only thing I want is to rest. I'm going to kill you, Kurt. But I don't know if it's... God knows I have ways where it doesn't have to be me. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't... 
I don't have an answer. And I know you came wanting to give me answers, but I don't have one for you. I think a head start is uh, what we talked about. But like, you saved my fucking life, Kurt. And you were there for me when a lot of people weren't. That doesn't mean nothing. That still means something. <sighs> Can I just get a hug before you go? Mary and I, I don't think that's a great idea. But okay. know that the sentiment, I, I understand the sentiment. And he starts kind of, he stands up and starts walking past her. And as he gets to the door, he turns back and says, and if I find a place to stop, I'll send you a letter. And then he walks out. Marion, how about you? What happens? You have this moment with Kurt a few days after the events. What occurred? Do you have other things that you kind of, how how do you kind of deal with the events of these past few days? What does this look like for you? I think she had spent all the time she had up until Kurt showed up at her door trying to figure out what the hell to do about him. And I think she doesn't know. And the moment after he leaves, she's going to like sit down on the couch next to where he would have been if she had sat down with him and try to think it through. And I think she doesn't know what she's going to do long term but he just gave her a window which is that he's gonna try and write her so she's got a break before she knows where he's gonna be she is not unused to keeping her own secrets from Pythia there are things that she doesn't tell them that she knows and she has protected other people before and so I am being She's not doing anything to tell anybody about this person. But I think that is very much the thing that is the thing on her mind when she's not actively doing anything else. And even then, sometimes what's still in her mind. And she knows something's coming, but she doesn't know what it's going to be yet. But she will, after a couple of days, go to some sort of liquor store and pick up a handle of cheap vodka. (laughs) And she's going to knock on Evie's door and uh, hope that they can have the promised sleepover and talk through what they got to talk through. Okay. So, Evie. Mm -hmm. What, uh, What does this time period right after all of these events look like for you? I mean, Evie is pretty banged up, so Evie ends up, I think, in the hospital for a day or two. I mean, who knows, longer depending. And she also was staying with her parents, as you do when you come back for this kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, And she can't or won't, whatever you want to say, tell them, like, what happened. But they know that she's always been a little bit odd. (laughs) And they due to circumstances, really haven't seen her much the past couple of years. And they haven't heard from her very much for the past couple of years. And so as much as there are, I mean, a million questions that her parents have, her parents, especially her mom, are very happy to have her home when she is released from the hospital and to just dote on her and just have her, her only daughter back and just 
it's ju- it just very like homey and sweet and Evie is glad to be with them and she is incredibly sad uh she's glad they survived she's sad that you know she killed someone and i'm bringing it back she's real still really upset about barry um and (laughs) poor barry never forget uh and i think i'm just i'm caught up on that because like that's something she really wants to see through Mm. getting that taken care of but I, she doesn't, she is also cognizant of the fact that she's not trying to give anything away about anyone else. And she, however, and maybe that's something that eventually, she, I mean, shortly thereafter, she and Evie brainstorm a little like what to do about that. But that is uh, beyond her own recovery. And she is enjoying time with her family that it, to her own surprise, um, <laughs> beyond that, you know, reconciliation, that sleepover with Barry, which she is happy to have, seeing that Barry receives some kind of memorial something is very important to her. Okay. Can I suggest a possible end moment here of the two of you standing by the graveside of Bear one Barry Wilmer uh, just after his funeral? And Sure. Kurt, I don't know if you know about this or if there's any way that you <laughs> uh, make yourself known here or if you were just gone. I think just as I think just as the two of them are standing there, maybe they're holding hands, just kind of thinking about thinking about Barry and kind of paying their last respects. A bat kind of flaps its wings oh. overhead and then and then flits away. All right. And that concludes our season. Ashland, Illinois, June 24th, 2008. Cleanup is nearly complete, Dr. Seward. A rat-faced little man stood sweating in Seward's office, his hands behind his back, clenching and unclenching. It will be done by this evening? It was a question and a statement. Yes, sir. Good, Seward responded flatly. The rat-faced man did not need another cue. He turned and practically ran through the door out of the office. More wasted money. More wasted time. Seward slammed his fist down on his desk. He turned his chair and leaned back, looking up at the large portrait that loomed on his wall. The portrait showed the founder, and had hung in the offices of every iteration of VH Labs, through every name change, all the way back to the turn of the century. Are you laughing, old man? Seward asked. The portrait was silent, as it always was. No, Seward said aloud. No, I suspect you are much too serious for that. There's nothing funny in this mess anyway. Seward had spent the last two days cleaning up the mess in the lab, in the town, doing everything he could to make what had occurred a few nights before disappear. These kinds of mishaps were exhausting. It was lucky he had as many town officials in his back pocket as he did. Any conspiracy theorist would feel vindicated seeing just how clean a cover-up could be, so long as you had the right resources. Still, Seward mused to himself as he stared at the old man in the painting, there were bound to be gaps. Leaks. That's how all this had happened to begin with. Kenwick, Selter, that ridiculous device. Most people thought it was Selter's recklessness with the specimens that had been her undoing. But for Seward, the issue was that damned slipshod machine they had made to control the creatures. Not up to standards. 
it didn't follow lab design protocols, and worse, it was ugly. The future was smooth and intuitive interfaces, not whatever 1980s retro-future hell they had dragged that device from. But that didn't matter now. Loose ends were being tied up. Security footage had already been reviewed meticulously to see how this had happened. Three intruders. Unger, Hathaway, and Stevens. Seward chuckled to himself for the first time in days. Stevens, he said to the painting. What a mundane name to choose. Seward not settled on exactly what to do next about those three. In some ways, he wasn't even upset with them. The fault was with Selter. The intruders simply began the necessary cleanup. Seward looked the painting over as he had hundreds of times before, looking at the old man's immaculate vest, his glasses, his coat, Every aspect of the painting, from the man's visage to his just visible cufflinks, spoke to his education, wealth, and class. This was the image of an ideal doctor from a time long past. I'm sure Dismer already has some new projects lined up. He always does. You don't stay in business by ruminating on failure. You move forward. Seward stood, turning away from the portrait and speaking aloud to no one. We pivot to new avenues of opportunity. We will find unrealized possibilities and maximize our growth potential. Seward yanked a book on business management from his desk and began tearing out pages. Every stumbling block can be a stepping stone to bigger and better things. We just need to leverage our core competencies. He sat down, breathing hard, and threw the book across the room. I can't leave them. I won't. Those three must be dealt with. Seward spun to face the founder again. It's the final stage of cleanup. Isn't that right, old man? The portrait of Dr. Abraham Van Helsing was silent, as it always was. New York City, June 25th, 2008. Nicole Smith-Hughes sat at a small table outside a coffee shop in the West Village, sipping an espresso and staring down at her iPhone. Her organization was working on modernizing, and she had been chosen as an early adopter of the smartphone. She had been at this job for quite a while now, and though she had received a lot of strange and shocking information in her time, she was still taken aback by what she was looking at. She put the phone down and waved over a server, handed over a $20 bill, got up and started walking down the street. She felt comfortable in this neighborhood, knowing that whatever she had to say on her phone call wouldn't even faze the people around her. They had probably heard much stranger things said by people much less put together than she was. Nicole slipped the iPhone into her pocket and pulled out a small flip phone. She had to keep a lot of secrets from a lot of people, and having multiple phones and multiple phone numbers helped her keep her secrets and her identities straight. As she opened the flip phone, she could read the label she had printed and stuck to the back. Helen. Different people needed different motivations to undertake the work required of them, Nicole knew. Some wanted to feel like secret agents. Others wanted to feel more like criminals. And others, well, others needed something a bit more inspiring, a bit more sensational. And Nicole was willing to give them whatever they wanted, as long as they got done what needed to be done. She opened up her messages folder on the flip phone and scrolled to a particular contact labeled simply, Marion. She read through the text from the past few days, trying to see if there was anything she had missed. She didn't find anything, as she knew she wouldn't, but Marion had worked for her for a long time, and she wanted to be totally sure before making the next phone call. Satisfied, Nicole dropped the flip phone back into her pocket and pulled the iPhone back out again. She navigated back to her texts and took one last look at the photo that had been sent to her. 
Through the window of a family home, she could see Marion standing and talking to the last person she expected would have found his way to Ashland, Illinois. She shook her head almost instinctively and then called the person who had sent her the photos. Luther, it's Nicole. Yes, that's him. That's the Olympian. Remember to tread carefully. He's a slippery one. And Luther, do your best to bring in Hathaway alive, if you can. This podcast was created using Monster of the Week, written by Michael Sands and published by Evil Hat Productions. It is based on an original adventure written by Tommy Witte. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at N-O-M-G podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast.